to focus on the Parsha itself, but on a pre-Rosh Hashanah theme, since we are getting into the Rosh Hashanah mode, and uh, we have one week left. And so I want to talk about the concept of Slichot, or in Ashkenazic pronunciation, we did a class a few weeks ago about the different forms of pronunciation, Slichot is the way Ashkenazic uh, just pronounce it, or Slichot. So the Slichot or Slichot, what exactly are they? What does Slichot mean? So Slichot is a set of prayers that are said in the days leading up to the high holidays, leading up to between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and said on Yom Kippur itself, as well as on other special days. The word Slichot in Hebrew comes from the word Slach. Slach means forgive. And so Slichot means forgivenesses, or forgive in a plural form. And so it's a form of prayer where we ask God for forgiveness. Now this concept goes back to the very, very beginning of Judaism. And really even before Judaism, it goes all the way back to Genesis. Um, or the Torah tells us that one of the first crimes that were committed, the first crime that was committed was um, Adam has two children, Cain and Abel, and Adam's and Cain kills his brother Abel, Cain kills his brother Heaven. And so God then approaches Cain, Cain, who was a prophet, God speaks to him just as his father Adam, and um, tells him, rebukes him for his sin, and uh, he had already earlier warned him, not to spoken about his evil inclination, and warned him not to listen to his evil inclination when he was inclined to harm his brother, and um, God punishes him. First he says the famous words, where is your brother? And Cain says, am I my brother's watchman or keeper um, in the common English translation? And uh, then God tells him he knows what he did, and Cain says, my sin is too great to bear, um, and asks for God's forgiveness. Later, Israel worships the golden calf. Moses ascends to heaven, to, sorry, ascends to Mount Sinai, and over there turns to God, and he asks God to worship, uh, to forgive Israel for the um, worship, for worshiping the golden calf, and indeed God forgives them. Later again, the people sin when they ask, um, when they when they send spies to the promised land, and the spies come back and say it's the the let, people are too strong, the land is too heavily fortified, we cannot conquer it, and the people say we don't want to go into the land, and so God wants to punish the people, and Moses again begs God for forgiveness, and God again forgives the people. He still punishes them, not allowing them to go into the land for forty years, but He does not destroy them, and so. Um, and so the, 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 there already we, hear, we see this concept of slicha, asking God for forgiveness, or slichot in plural. And so slichot are then prayers where we ask God for forgiveness. Now the structure of the slichot that we have today, um, the prayers asking God for forgiveness, began in a Jewish period in history known as the Gaonic period. Just as in uh, when you study classical history, when you study general history, you hear different periods, right? The classical period and medieval period, um, you hear different periods. In Jewish history, we also have different periods. 
And um, the Gaonic period is a period where that went from about the year 600 to about 1,000. It's a 400-year period where most Jews during this time were centered in Babylon, in Mesopotamia, in Iraq. That was the largest and most and wealthiest Jewish community in the world. Uh, the great yeshivas, the leaders, of the, they had great yeshivas there at the time, and the leaders of those yeshivas were called Gaonim, hence the Gaonic period. So during this period, between 600 and 1,000, that is when we find the first Slichot were written in um, Babylon. So, and with time, with time, those slichot became um, recited by Jewish communities all around the world. And today, all Jewish communities around the world recite the slichot. Now, the theme of slichot revolves around asking God to forgive us for our wrongdoings, grant us mercy, and give us the good that we are asking for even if we are undeserving. So, and it goes back to Moses' own prayers, when Moses turns to God in the Torah and asks God um, for forgiveness for the people, um, twice, once after the sin of the golden calf, and once after the sin of not wanting to enter the promised land. Uh, Moses uses the term, asking God, ask God for forgiveness, salach. Um, he says, the second time, please forgive the sin of this people, for your kindness is great, just as you have forgiven them from when we left Egypt until now. And God responds, I have forgiven them as your words. So we invoke these um, prayers of Moses, we invoke the responses of God, um, we also invoke um, and quote stories sometimes from the past of different things that happened where we ask God for forgiveness. Um, sometimes for different particular occasions, we might mention different events that we are marking. Um, sometimes it's tragedies that we're marking. And um, we generally ask God to forgive us for any wrongdoing. Salichot, the very concept of forgiveness, recognizes that no one is perfect. We are not perfect. We have done wrong, and we ask God, even though we have done wrong, we regret what we have done. God doesn't just forgive, and nobody forgives without you regretting what you did. If you're just going to do it again, you're not deserving of forgiveness. We regret what we did wrong, and we ask God for forgiveness. Yes? Although Moses was not allowed to go into Israel, was the beating of the rock um, something that God forgave him for? It doesn't say that he, uh, he begs God to allow him to go into the promised land. It doesn't speak of him asking God for forgiveness for it. He asks God for forgiveness for the people in these two instances. So I don't know. So when God did forgive the people after the sin of the golden calf, God taught Moses, after forgiving the people, um, God taught Moses what we call the Yud Gimel Midot HaRachamim, the 13 attributes of mercy. And it's essentially, it's an um, invocation that we should invoke when we um, want to arouse God's mercy. He teaches it to Moses. Um, the words are Hashem, Hashem, Kerachum v'chanun, Erech hapayim, Rav v'emet. God, who is um, gracious and merciful, um, slow to anger, uh, bounding kindness and truth, um, leaves, Notzeh chesed la'alafim, 
um, passes on kindness to thousands of generations. Um, uh, bears sin and iniquity and cleanses our sins. So those words were later when the, the people indeed did sin with the sin of the gold of the spies and not wanting to go into the promised land. And God again said he was going to destroy the people. Moses actually invokes these 13 attributes of mercy. And so we did a class some months ago, you may recall, um, about the 13 attributes of mercy. We went through detail and explained each one. Um, so the Slichot very much invoked these 13 attributes of mercy that God taught Moses um, as part of our prayer. So the Slichot themselves are a series of poems and prayers that ask God for forgiveness. And so Slichot, like many of our prayers, are written as piyotim, piyotim or Hebrew poems. Now Jewish poetry is one of the oldest, if not the oldest form of poetry that exists. Um, we have poetry going all the way back to our scriptures. Um, we have poetry going back to the book of Genesis already. Um, moving through the book of Exodus, we have poetry. And throughout the books of the Torah, we have poetry. Uh, we have a number of poems in the Torah itself. We then have many more poems throughout scripture, um, both interdispersed in storylines, as in the Torah, where at a specific occasion somebody composed a poem or a song. Um, and then we have books that are all poetry, such as Tehillim, Psalms, is a book of 150 poems, um, and Mishle, Proverbs, is a book of poems, and Kohelet, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. So we have books that are entirely uh, poetry in Scripture. So we have a lot of poetry, Jewish poetry. Um, and then we have poems that our prayers are full of poems. And generally, Jewish poems were tended to be well ahead of their time um, in, the, in their development. And so by the time the poetry, um, the poetry of the Slichot generally date back to the Gaonic period when there was a huge explosion or growth, massive growth in Jewish poetry. We have thousands and tens of thousands of poems that we have retained from that period, from the 600s, uh, from the Gaonic period. And, um, and so many of the poems come, from, most of our slichot come from that period. At this time, we begin to see poems already a little earlier than that. We begin to see poems with rhyme, um, which was a somewhat later development in poetry. And uh, we begin to see, then Jews of course have this long before any other people have this. Um, rhyming in poem, as, as well as organized syntax, which is sentence structure where each, um, where each phrase of the poem or each, each line of the poem has an equal number or matching number of syllables, so it kind of flows. You could say it as a chant, um, uh, and it recites much um, cleaner. Um, Jewish poems are also unique in that, and this goes already back to
So, so Jewish poems, um, generally this goes all the way back to scripture, um, that we have, uh, generally Jewish poems tend to follow the Hebrew alphabet, something we don't find in other cultures, where you'll have a poem, um, a famous one that we recite in our prayers is the Ashrei, of Hilal David, that comes from Psalms, um, Psalm 145, where each line begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The first line begins with the Aleph, the second line beginning with the Bet, Gimel, Dalet, and um, further in the same way. So um, that's very common among Jewish poems that we have each line follows a different um, letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Also common among poems is the author of the poems, of Jewish poems, tend to put their name into the poem. Either they'll have lines beginning with the letters of their name, or they'll have words um, within either beginning or the end of the poem that begin or end with letters of their name. That way they actually put their, line, their name into the poem, which makes it really easy to identify the authors of different poems because they have their names actually signed inside the poem. So in Jewish poetry, and uh, we have many different types of poem, there are different genres, we could call it, of Jewish poetry. And um, we have poems that lament tragedies that we spoke about on Tisha B'Av called Kinot. We have poems of praise to God. And we also have poems of Selichot that ask God for forgiveness and um, mercy. So we have many, so most of the Selichot were either written in the Gaonic, late Gaonic period or early Rishonim, it's called, period, which is right after, um, in the 11-1200s, most of our Selichot were written during this period. When do we say the Selichot? So we generally say Selichot in the days before Rosh Hashanah. Now, they're usually said early in the morning before sunrise. We have a tradition that God's mercy is felt stronger at different times of the day. And the second half of the night, in other words, between midnight and sunrise, is the time when God's mercy can be most felt. And so therefore, if we want to invoke God's mercy, we do it during this period, um, during the second half of the night. Now, here we have a variation between Sephardic Jews and Ashkenazic Jews. Sephardic Jews begin saying Selichot on the second day of the month of Elul. So starting on the second day of the month of Elul, we're ready today, is the 22nd of the month of Elul. So they already started 20 days ago. Um, the second day of the month of Elul, they begin saying Selichot. They get up early before, they begin before sunrise. So um, sunrise these days is about 6.45, so you get up and you begin slichot nice and early. You're ready in the synagogue nice and early. Um, and in order to recite the slichot, they've already been doing it for a few weeks. Ashkenazic Jews have a custom to begin slichot on the Sunday before Rosh Hashanah, if Rosh Hashanah is at the end of the week. If Rosh Hashanah is at the beginning of the week, as it will be this year, Rosh Hashanah begins Sunday night next week, we recite Selichot a full week before Rosh Hashanah. So we begin on the Sunday, a week before Rosh Hashanah, which is today. Today is the first day that Ashkenazic Jews recite the Selichot. Now the custom is that on the, well, generally we get up every morning for Selichot early, 
um, before our morning services, before Shacharit, before the morning services, we get up early before sunrise to recite the Slichot. On, um, on um, the first night that we recite the Slichot, for Sephardic Jews, that would be on the second day of the month of Elul, for Ashkenazic Jews on the Saturday night, the week before Rosh Hashanah, um, we begin Slichot right at midnight. Um, the time of God's mercy is between midnight and the morning. So the first night we do it straight away. We um, begin at midnight, and indeed we began here um, at midnight last night. We had a service here where we recited the Selichot. Midnight, by the way, is not 12 o'clock, because um, in daylight savings uh, time, everything's an hour off. Um, Los Angeles is also not exactly on um, the time, the exact time, midnight here in Los Angeles is 12.45. <coughs> so it varies from city to city depending on where you are. Yes, it varies, exactly. So we say Slichot every morning to Rosh Hashanah. Many continue the Slichot after Rosh Hashanah each morning until Yom Kippur as well. We also recite the Slichot as part of our prayers on Yom Kippur. In each prayer of Yom Kippur, when the cantor repeats, um, the, well, on the first night there's no repetition, on the eve of Yom Kippur, after the Kol Nidre, um, after the Shmona Esrei, the Amidah prayer, we recite Slichot, and then in the other prayers, when the cantor repeats the Amidah, um, in the middle of the repetition, we recite Slichot as well. So uh, then also on fast days, we Jews have fast days over the year. We have four fast days to commemorate the destruction of our temple. Um, the fast of the Gedalia, which is right after Rosh Hashanah. The fast of um, the 10th of Tevet, the 17th of Tammuz, and the 9th of Av. So we recite Sulichot. And then also on, we have a fast as part of the Purim celebration. The day before Purim is also a fast day. We also recite Slichot on each of these fast days. Yes, Sam. Uh, can this Yes, it's always better to recite it with the community. Um, and that is because we are told um, that God always responds. The tor- um, we're told, whenever we turn to God, God is always there. Love is like God who's there. Anybody can speak to God and communicate with God. However, God's presence is found when 10 Jews get together. So when you have a minion and Jews are together um, as a group, then um, it is much more powerful. So, so it's always better to do it as a group, but you can definitely do it on your own. Um, and you can get books of Selichot. You can find them online, I believe. Um, you can sure you can get them on Amazon, and uh, they're not hard to find. You have books of Selichot. So what exactly does the Selichot include? So there are variations. There's many different types of Selichot for different days. There are also variations between the Ashkenazic Selichot and the Sephardic Selichot, and then within communities, there are variations. But they are largely similar. Um, in the Ashkenazic Selichot, every single day we recite a different Selichot. It is slight, slightly different poems. Um, some poems are the same, but many are different. In the Ashkenazic tradition, in, sorry, in the Sephardic tradition, they recite the same one every single day throughout the month. What exactly does it include? 
So our pre-Rosh Hashanah Selichot that we started last night, we'll be doing tomorrow morning at 6.30 a.m. over here. You're all welcome to join us. Um, always begins with the Ashrei, which is chapter 145 of Psalms, uh, which we recite every day in our prayers. Uh, we actually recite it three times a day in our prayers. It's a very powerful psalm, particularly because of one verse in there, which reads, Poteach et yadecha you open your hands, speaking to God, and satisfy the needs of every living creature. And so that uh, verse um, expresses that basic Jewish belief that everyone, God takes care of everyone and everything. Do you ever need anything? God is the one to turn to. He is the one that takes care of everyone and everything. It is all God's doing, and we are all 100% reliant on God. Every achievement that we do and every accomplishment that we make is all God's doing. We should never take credit on our own for it. It's all God. Uh, doesn't mean we don't have to do our part. We do need to do our part. God will not help us if we don't lift our own hands and work. But we are not successful because of our work or our smarts, or anything that we have done, um, evidenced by there are a lot of very smart people and a lot of very hardworking people that are not successful. <clears throat> Even more so, a lot of very smart and hardworking people in their own lives, in fact, most people during their lifetime, have periods when they are very successful and periods where they are less so. And so that doesn't mean they got less smart or became less hardworking, but rather it is all up to God. God chooses what to give everyone. And that is a basic recognition, and we so therefore we start, it's in the Tehillah David in the Ashrei prayer, and therefore we start the Slichot with the Ashrei. We then recite the um, Kaddish, which we always recite um, at the opening of a prayer. And then we begin a poem that, uh, then we recite, we begin by reciting a number, a series of verses collected from all of Scripture that ask God for forgiveness and help and mercy. And then we recite a poem that um, begins with the words, Ech niftach peh. How can we open our mouths and speak to God? Who are we? Um, who are we to talk to God? How can we um, speak to God? It begins, how can we open our mouth before you who dwells in the outstretched heavens? In what way can we pour out our prayers? Um, and, uh, and then we speak about how, who are we in our, we mundane people who have done wrong? Who are we to talk to God? And nevertheless, we continue for your, we trust in your abundant mercy. We rely on your righteousness. We hope for your forgiveness. We yearn for your deliverance. So this poem um, follows the um, Hebrew alphabet, the Aleph Bet. So each line in this poem, um, it's a rhyming poem, that each line in this poem follows another. Let the first one, the first line starts with an Aleph, then with a Bet, then with a Gimel. Each line in this poem follows a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. After that, we then um, introduce the 13 attributes of mercy. And we introduce the 13 attributes of mercy the first time in our slichot always with the poem of Kel Erech Ata, which begins, Almighty One, you are slow to anger, you are called the master of mercy, and you have taught the way of repentance. And we describe how when Moses asked God for forgiveness, and Moses was standing on the mountain, God then um, approached Moses 
and it says, Vayavor Hashem al-Panav Vayikra, God then passed over Moses and called out the 13 attributes of mercy, which we then go ahead to recite, Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachum Machanun, God, God, Almighty, merciful, gracious, and slow to anger. We then um, continue asking God, um, uh, we then continue invoking the prayer that Moses had asked when he asked God for forgiveness, Please forgive the iniquity of this people in accordance with the greatness of your kindness, as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now, every time they messed up. And then God responded, I have forgiven like your words. And then we continue to quote from the book of um, Daniel. We have a number of prayers in the book of Daniel where he asks God, um, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see the desolation of ourselves, the city upon which your name is proclaimed. For it is not on our account of our own righteousness that we offer supplications before you, but because of your abundant mercy, God, hear, forgive, be attentive, um, and act for your sake, God, that your name be proclaimed over your city and over our people. And now at this point in the Salichot, we then go through a series of poems asking God for forgiveness. Um, when we recite Salichot on, on the fast days that commemorate different events, we usually speak about the different events that we are commemorating. Uh, but in the regular Salichot before Rosh Hashanah, we then have different poems. Each of these poems, generally written by poet, poets in the Gaonic period or early Rishonim period, in other words, either the 600s to 1,000 or the 11, 1200s, uh, 1000s, 1100s, 1100s, so from that period. Um, all of these poems, pretty much without exception, all rhyme and follow the Hebrew alphabet, where each line follows another word, uh, le another letter, starts and begins with another letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Many of them follow also verses from scripture. So we'll take a chapter of scripture and where each line will quote one verse from scripture that will be adjusted a little bit to fit into the syntax and to the rhyme and make sense in the poem. And so we then read a number of, we then read a poem, invoke again the 13 attributes of mercy. This again, the 13 attributes of mercy itself is recited as part of a poem, um, speaking about how God is always merciful to us. Um, and then again a poem, again the 13 attributes of mercy, and we do this back and forth. Uh, and then in each time we do silichot, we always then have a pismon. A pismon is a unique kind of Jewish poem that has a refrain. So in other words, there's usually a, a paragraph, and then there's a refrain that you, everyone responds with the refrain. Um, and so for the first day, of the, what, the slichot that we read today, which we actually usually begin at midnight. So we the refrain begins with the words, on the outgoing of the day of rest of Shabbat, that is, we approach you, um, incline your ear from on high, who are enthroned upon our praise. And then we read the refrain, Lishmoa el harina accede to hear our raised voice and our prayer, or our songs and prayer. And so then we have this whole poem with refrain. Yes? Um, these 13 attributes of mercy, I'm sorry, but I'm not quite sure where they come from. They come from scripture, oh. from the book of Exodus. Oh, okay. And then is that like God's 
God teaches Moses 13 attributes of mercy, which is essentially a sentence that a person should recite when you want to invoke God's mercy. And uh, we sing it throughout our prayers. You may be very familiar with them. Um, the words are Hashem, Hashem, Karachum, Bachanun. It's usually done with the tune Hashem, Hashem, Karachum, Bachanun, Erech, Apayim, Verab Chesed, Viemes, Lotzer Chesed, Lalafim, Naseyavon, Vafesha, Vechata, Venake. So those are 13 attributes. So these are what um, God is telling Moses are attributes of mercy that, that invoke that God's mercy. Should practice. That you should recite when you're in trouble. And practice. And say when you're in trouble. They're to use when you need. And Moses uses it. The next time he gets into trouble, he uses it. <laughs> so um, at this point, we then have another poem that we recite. Um, which um, starts with a series of verses um, in scripture that begin with the word zakhar, remember, asking God to remember us. And there are a number of verses throughout scripture where we ask God to remember us, um, remember, uh, remember us, remember our ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then um, the poem then continues asking God to follow all of the different promises that he has given us over the years and we quote each promise that God has given us throughout scripture um, that he will remember us that he will never destroy us that he will return us to the promised land, gather in our exiles, uh, atone for our sins, uh, purify us, have mercy on us um, uh, fulfill all of our requests and rebuild our temple, we go through each of these things now at this point, we um, turn, ask God to accept all of our prayers, and the custom is for this this become we reach what could be called the most important part of the slichot. And so, as we do on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, when we get to the most important parts of the prayer, we open up the ark as a sign um, of the importance of the prayer. We're opening, saying this in front of the Torahs, and the Torah scrolls that are in the ark. And then we read the line, Shema Koleinu, which is, Hear our voice, God, have pity and mercy on us, accept our prayer with mercy and favor, return to us, God, and we shall return, renew our days as old. Do not cast us away from your presence, do not take your spirit of holiness away from us, and do not cast us away in old age, do not forsake us when our strength fails. So, then the Selichot continues, um, with a number of um, different poems that were created also around the same time. Um, first, we have a poem where we ask God to help us for the sake of, uh, for your sake or for the sake of our ancestors. And um, this is a theme that we see already in the Torah itself, um, that we ask God to help in honor of somebody else. It's like when you're in trouble, you say, remember my father or remember my mother, remember what they did, and so please help me for their sake. So we ask God to help us for the sake of our ancestors and for God's own sake. And so we have a poem that again follows the Hebrew alphabet that where we say, Asei leman amitach, do it or help us for the sake of your truth. Asei leman britach, Help us for the sake of your covenant. 
Help us for the sake of your greatness and your beauty. Help us for the sake of your um, uh, of uh, of your teachings of your laws. Help us for the sake of your glory. And each word that we're invoking God to help us for begins with another letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The first one with an aleph, second one with a bet, next one with a gimel, then with a dalim, and further. Um, we ask God to help us in honor of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses, and Aaron, um, in honor of all those who have been killed for your sake throughout our history, um, in honor of, uh, for the sake of our children um, that, have ne- that have not done any wrong that are innocent. And we conclude, do it for your own sake and help us. Then we have another fascinating poem, which asks God, ter- follows with the term, uh, with the words, anenu, answer us. And um, the term anenu, the Hebrew term anenu, answer us, um, is already found in, was also found in scripture. Elijah, when he needed God's help, um, at Mount Carmel, he turns to God and he says, Aneni Hashem Aneni. Answer me, God, answer me. So he kind of repeats the words, Aneni Hashem Aneni. And so we have a poem written on this, um, and we adjust it a little bit. We say, Anenu, answer us. He said, Aneni, answer me. But we say, Anenu, answer us. Hashem Anenu, answer us. And we then refer to God again with um, different names, different adjectives, each with starting with the another letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So we start with Anenu Avinu Anenu, answer us, our father answer us, starting with an Aleph. Anenu Boreinu Anenu, answer us, our creator answer us, starting with a Bet. Anenu Goalenu Anenu, answer us, our redeemer answer us. Anenu Darshenu Anenu, answer us, um, are uh, the one you who seek us answer us? Anenu hakel aneinu, answer us, faithful God answer us. And so we have this um, prayer that follows each of these, asking God to answer us um, and describing God um, by each of these things. Then we have another poem um, that we recite, which we invoke God who has. Um, answered our fathers and our ancestors in previous situations throughout scripture when they were in trouble. So it begins, he who answered Abraham on Mount Moriah should answer us. He who answered Yitzchak, Isaac, when he was being almost slaughtered on the altar, shall answer us. He who answered Jacob, when he was in Bethel, shall answer us. He who answered Joseph, when he was in prison, should answer us. He who answered our forefathers on the by the Red Sea shall answer us. He who answered Moses at Sinai should answer us. He who answered Aaron um, when there was a plague and he helped save people by burning incense should answer us. He who answered Pinchas when he stood to stop another plague should answer us. He who answered Joshua should answer us. He who answered Samuel. He who answered David and Solomon. He who answered Elijah. Who answered Elisha. He who answered Jonah. Chizkiyahu, um, King Hezekiah. Um, he answered Hananiah, Mishal, and Azariah. Those were three, um, three Jewish sages that were thrown into a, uh, that were thrown into a furnace by King Nebuchadnezzar. He answered Daniel in the lion's den. He answered Mordechai and Esther, story of Purim. He who answered Ezra. 
And so we go through, these are all the different stories in scripture when people were, um, different people um, were answering. We then um, conclude our, with a couple more short poems, um, with one in particular um, beautiful poem where we say, Shomer Yisrael, guardian of Israel, Shemor She'erit Yisrael, guard the remnant of Israel, and do not perish Israel, those who say, Shema Yisrael, those who say, here, Israel. And then we say, Shomer Goechad, garden of a unique nation, uh, or one nation, guard the remnant of the one nation, and do not let the one nation perish, who proclaim, Hashem Echad, God is one. So it's a play on Shema Yisrael, here on Israel, here, Israel, so don't let Israel per- guard Israel, and God is one, don't um, guard the one nation. And then we continue, Shomer Go Kadosh, guardian of the holy nation, Shomer Sherit Am Kadosh, guard the remnant of the holy people, um, who say, Kadosh, 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 we say, Kadosh. Yes? What's the name of that poem? Shomer Yisrael. The most of these were poems. Modern Jewish singers have um, added tunes to a lot of these um, in the last 100 or 200 years when song has been added a lot to Jewish prayers, have added songs to a lot of these, um, last hundred years really, have added songs to a lot of these um, prayers and a lot of these poems, and so now they have a lot of beautiful songs to go along with them. So um, these are, then we conclude at the end of the Selichot, we conclude with the Kaddish. This is just a very brief overview of the Selichot, it's a somewhat um, every day we recite slightly different Selichot going all the way through to Rosh Hashanah and many then continue even through to Yom Kippur On Yom Kippur itself we also have Selichot that follow more or less the same order include most of these poems that I mentioned but they vary and often include different poems now we have a custom that when Jewish men pray in the morning they wear a talit as well as on Yom Kippur throughout all the prayers Jewish men wear a talit The source for this custom is, the Midrash tells us that when God taught Moses the Yud Gimel Midot HaRachimim, the 13 attributes of mercy, God was wrapped in a talit. Now, of course, that is a metaphor, because God is spiritual, and God being spiritual cannot be wrapped in a talit. So what then does it mean? So it, it means that God so to speak, rose to a level where he is all-encompassing, just like a talit is a shawl that encompasses or surrounds us completely. So God um, wraps himself in a talit in that he is rises to a stage where he is all-encompassing. So there are different ways, that different perspectives that God can look at creation. On the one hand, we believe that God pays attention to detail. God is aware of every single detail and every single thing that we do, looking at the good things that we do, and then also looking at the bad things that we do, and noticing each one, and responding to each one. And so, for the, in that, from that perspective, um, the good things that we do, we get God pays us back, and the bad things that we do, God pays us back too. However, we, there is another perspective of God, where God, who is infinite and well beyond creation, Um, sees all of creation as equal before him. After all, to infinity, different finite things are all the same. To God in truth, good and bad are equal. One is no greater than the next. He chooses to make good 
be good and bad, be bad. But ultimately to God, they're all the same. And so therefore, we want to invoke God's forgiveness. We ask God to not look at detail, but to rise beyond the detail and look at everything together as one and see us as his chosen people and not look at the specific details that we have done beyond those details. So the Talit being surrounding us and encompassing us represents an encompassing God, the way God stands beyond detail and doesn't pay attention to our transgressions. And so therefore, we wear Talit by prayer, but because the original Talit came when God taught Moses the 13 attributes of mercy, when we recite the Simichot, there is a custom that the cantor, not everybody, but the cantor wears a Talit while reciting the Simichot. Now, the Slichot is part of really what we could call a series of high holiday prayers that are about reconnecting to God. Part of that is theme, is asking for forgiveness for any past transgressions. But we also ask God to judge us favorably and give us what we need, even when we are undeserving. The high holidays, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, is a time we believe God judges us and decides what we will get over the coming year. And so we could always change that throughout the year. Um, because prayer can always make an impact, but we the greatest impact is made during this period, and that is why they are called Yamim Noraim, days of awe, because they're days when we turn to God and ask God for everything to give us a good year. Um, and part of that, we don't want God to respond to our next year because of our negative things that we've done over the past year. So we ask God for forgiveness. Um, but it's also based on our fundamental belief that anyone can talk to God directly and ask for their needs and God responds. And so we have these prayers um, on Rosh Hashanah, on Yom Kippur. They're all about every person speaking to God because we believe that every single person has a direct line to God and anyone can speak to God at any time. But more than that, prayer in general, and particularly the prayers of the High Holidays and Salichot, are really about building a relationship with God. The um, theme of Teshuvah, which we often translate as repentance, comes from the Hebrew word Lashuv, to return. Return means we return to God. We return to our source, God created us. We return our soul to its source, where it came from. To God, we reconnect to God. So prayer, more than asking forgiveness for specific things, and more than just um, asking God for blessings over the coming year, prayer for specific things that we need, prayer is really a way that we build a relationship to God. Part of Judaism, in addition to the 600 to commandments, where God tells us to act in certain ways, do certain things, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. Part of Judaism is we are also expected to have a relationship with God. In fact, one of our 613 commandments is to love God. We recite it in the Shema every day. You should love God. We also have a commandment, to be in awe of God. And so we have to have a relationship, and every person is supposed to have a relationship with God. How do you build that relationship with God? So prayer was designed by our sages as the means of building a relationship with God. And that's why we pray every day, three times a day, in order to give us an, 
ability to build that relationship with God, but even more so during this period before Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, which involve a lot of prayer. And the reason why we focus so much on prayer during these days is in order to help build that relationship with God. And much of the prayers speak about God's concern for us, God's care for us, our relationship with us, with Him, our connection with Him. Even if we did not entirely do everything we were supposed to, we still have that deep connection, we still have that deep relationship, and ask God to reciprocate and um, respond and show that deep connection that we have with Him. So these beautiful poems of Sulichot, and we have many poems throughout our High Holiday Prayers, really what they're about is building and developing that powerful connection <coughs> with God. So with that, 